You're listening to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where we examine what is and isn't working in online marketing. Now, please welcome your host, online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay. So today I am talking to Mr. Phil Singleton of Kansas City Website Design and SEO. This was a really fun interview because Phil and I do a lot of the same things. So it was really cool to kind of banter back and forth about SEO strategy, uh, content, and all those awesome things that happen when you have to get a website up to the top results of the search engine. So Phil is quite excellent at what he calls content-driven SEO and web design. He's also the co-author of a book called SEO for Growth. Great guy, great interview. I think you guys are going to like it, especially if you still have a whole bunch of question marks in your heads on how this whole SEO thing works and how much content you need and where to put it and if it's really effective and and maybe even if you already have a search engine optimization company that you're working with, maybe some things you can go back to them with and ask them and integrate into their strategies or maybe decide if you're with the right team or not after all, because we talk about some good and the bad and the ugly of SEO during this interview. So I think you guys will like it. It's a great interview. Does this interview fall into everything in the click technique? Again, if you guys don't know what the click technique is, please visit us at theclicktechnique.com. There's a five-day free crash course in the click technique, which is essentially how to build a foundation for all of your online marketing. Essentially, you can't go and have these amazing launches and get never-ending traffic and leads to your business without having a strong online marketing foundation. And the click technique is what we use here at trafficandleads.com to get that foundation built up for our customers, and I'm giving it to you free. So it's at theclicktechnique.com. There's also a private Facebook group that you can join where we will kind of help you through the whole thing. So it's pretty awesome. Theclicktechnique.com. Make sure you go and opt in for our boot camp. So where does this fit in? Of course, this fits in under C, the first C in the click technique for curiosity. So in order for people to even know who you are, you have to create curiosity. And not only do you have to make people curious about what you are offering or your business, you have to make the search engines curious. And that's where the search SEO conversation I'm having with Phil today falls into line. So today's episode, again, it falls under C for curiosity. So what's happening out on the private Facebook group? Someone asked me, hey, one click, what is the difference between a landing page and a website? Do I have to have both? This is a very common question. Don't feel silly if you don't know the answer. But essentially, let me explain this to you. A website is a foundation. So it has multiple pages. It has a menu. It's what everyone realizes a website is. So it has about us. It has all of your services. It's a foundation of your like your online marketing. Yes, we all need a website. We all need somewhere to direct people to contact us. Where the landing page is, is when you want people to do one specific thing, maybe to opt in for a webinar, maybe to download a free ebook, maybe to, you know, schedule an appointment with you. And literally is what this landing page is, is a one page website with no menu. It's a very clear call to action. Put your name and phone number in here. Do this one thing, hit submit, and you're good to go. Like literally, you're shouting at people what they need to do on this website. They won't get uh, distracted by different menu items or anything like that. But it's a one 
thing that the someone needs to do. So I have clients who, of course, have a website with many pages about us, contact us, but the same customer might have 50 50 different landing pages, one for an event, one for a webinar, one for a free ebook. That is the difference between landing pages and websites. So there you go. That's your online marketing minute. Again, if your website is sitting dead in the water and you want Facebook ads or SEO, you want to drive some traffic and leads, make sure you visit me at trafficandleads.com. We can help you with all of your online marketing needs. And again, that's Facebook, SEO, pay-per-click, content marketing, email marketing, email management, all of those things. Webinars. I just helped a client of mine run an extremely successful webinar. We had over 350 people on at the same time from all over the world. It was so cool. So webinars, all this wonderful online marketing stuff, make sure you reach out to trafficandleads.com. You can also email me, lindsay at oneclicklindsay.com. So let's dive into this episode with Phil Singleton. Here we go. Hey, Phil. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you on today. Thank you. I'm so psyched to be here. Yeah. So you're with Kansas City Website Design and SEO. How long have you been digging away at the whole online marketing thing? Well, you know, I'm really um, pretty much an outsider. I didn't start off down this path. I've got a degree in finance and an MBA and actually worked for an insurance company for three hours out of college. It was literally like this soul-crushing cubicle job. Nice. um, (laughs) By the third year, I was like, oh my God, I saw people walking around like zombies that have been there for 20 or 30 years. And I was like, I cannot do this. So I literally, I guess, basically lost my mind, picked up my bag and and moved up to to Taipei, Taiwan and stayed there and learned Chinese and came back and got my grad school uh, MBA. And then then from there, I just kind of went on this little corporate adventure where I was, you know, living and and working in in Asia, um, basically during the dot-com era. And helping companies in North America get um, Asian venture capital funding. Of course, that bubble bop, uh, popped um, early on, back in the days of AOL and that kind of stuff. But um, what ended up happening is just by nature of me being out there and working with North American companies, literally a software company like fell in my lap. They were doing a lot online. And this is going back like 15 years or so ago. But um, most of our revenues in this little software company that had running out of a 25-person um, you know, software company out of Asia were coming from affiliate marketers. You know what I mean? They had so these yeah. guys had like, you know, I guess the precursors, the blogs and um, forums and stuff. And we for the big ones where most of our sales were coming from, we literally have like an ad up on their uh, you know, banner ad up on their form and they'd click through it. And we were paying the big guys like $50, you know, basically 50% per sale. So here I am in Asia running the software company that just kind of happened to be at the right place at the right time. And we're writing checks every month for fifty, sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars a month. The guys were running these, you know, blogs and forums, probably working like one hour a day. So that was my like epiphany. I was like, holy crap. Because most of that stuff, even back then, was still like driven through Google searches. People were searching for, you know, how to copy DVD movies and that kind of stuff. And that was the genre of software we were selling. Um, so I saw this, I was like, you know, we're here, we wow. are getting 50% of the sale. And I had like investors, product support, product development, our little piece of that 50% went down to basically like nothing. Um, but yeah, the guys that were like, you know, had the Google traffic and had the the audience were basically getting all the money for very little work. So I was like, okay, I get it. We ended up selling that company. It was a nice little you know payday for me, but not like, you know, buy an island and retire and not work again type of thing. Yeah. Move back to the States. 
kind of tried to figure out what I was going to do for about a year or so. And I actually, my first website I did in 2005 was like a, a for an auto detailer. It was a front page, do it yourself job. But I literally front page. Got the, I haven't heard the word front page for like a decade. Okay. I know, seriously. So, but it was, I built a site up and, and it was for an auto detailer and he ended up starting to get traffic and phone calls. And he's like, one day he called me up and he was like, Phil, you changed my business. You've changed my life type of a thing. And I was like, holy crap. Now I know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, you know, this is awesome. Most rewarding thing I've ever done business wise. And I think I can make some pretty good money at this. So since then, since that one little front page website that I kind of did on a barter deal here, we've done hundreds of websites now and we're doing all sorts of SEO and, and stuff. And, you know, for companies here around Kansas city and around the country. So that's what got me into it. You asked. That's how I, I got did. It. That was, that's actually a quite, I love that story. That was awesome. So when I first, I, I won't hide anything from the audience, when we first chatted, I mean, you're you're a man after my own heart. Like we know a whole lot about web design, web development, SEO, online marketing, all these things. And so when I brought you on, I said, what do you want to talk about? And you said your real passion was SEO driven marketing. Why don't you tell the audience what that means? Yeah, so I kind of got into this you know, in the beginning. Um, really, SEO and you know, Google traffic's always been kind of where my interest has been because it's always been one of these things where okay i get it people are searching for stuff and you get the traffic and that's how you get can get leads and sales um, of course anymore even back in the day when i got started you still had the kind of um you know websites were basically the starting point so i think for anybody to try and get into digital marketing these days you have to have some kind of basic understanding about web design how that works because that's you know that's the hub of everything um but what's been really interesting to me over the years is you know seo used to be perceived and it probably still is perceived but it really used to be a lot more heavily about doing things under the hood, manipulating content in a website and pages, you know, trying to get a you know, volume based backlinks point to your website so that you could manipulate the, the search engines, almost kind of, you know, in a back room type of thing, or even a lot of people are doing it offshore and this kind of stuff. And that drove that kind of activity really drove the SEO industry for years and years, right? I mean, people mm -hmm. were literally kind of writing checks off to these SEO companies and not knowing what they were doing, but, you know, whatever they were doing. Hoping and um, praying, going, yeah. Right? So, so then, you know, you got five years ago or so where Google said, okay, people are trying to game the system too hard. Then they came out with these punitive algorithms and all of a sudden dropped the nuclear bomb, brought a lot of SEO stuff back kind of onshore and really changed behavior. You know, a lot of guys were trying to cut the corners and doing all these you know, gaming things really kind of changed behavior. So that was really positive. But I think more importantly, what's happened, not only in behavior changing in the industry, I think what's really um, what's really changed is that Google's done such a good job now of being able to go out and collect and, you know, grade and get information and rank people on such a wide variety of factors now. It's not just on what you have on your website, right? And the backlinks, it's they're starting to grade content and you know, social media participation and, and your reviews and trying to measure people's authorities and where they're, where they're cited in different places. So you, you've got all these kind of different things that they're starting to be able to grade people on, which is, I think, better. And when you start to kind of map these things out, the ranking factors, it starts to look a lot more like marketing than it does SEO, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to do. And we go out and talk to people and talk to clients or even try and talk about what we're doing is try and look at business and marketing almost the way Google's looking at it. Because if you do it in this way, um, you'll be able to tie all your efforts together in a way that'll get you maybe five or 10x versus like 1x on the return. And I'm going to give you an example of that, right? Let's say blogging. Everybody kind of knows that blogging is maybe a staple of modern digital marketing, inbound marketing. 
But what a lot of people I think hear is that, you know, I, the guy said I have to blog, so I'm going to do more blog. Well, if you don't do your keyword research and know what's topically relevant or trending right now, you're going to lose something. So that kind of research, obviously, you need to do before you even get started. But one of the things that we like to do with our clients and it's actually in the book that I wrote with John Jantz, SEO for Growth, is we like to look at things like, for example, a blogging strategy. If you're doing it in an SEO driven way or a way that you think is maybe going to help you from a Google standpoint, you should maybe be thinking in terms of writing a blog series of like 10 or 15, right? That look a lot more like a table of contents instead of randomly posted things. So you do this in a way where you map out your blog and your content strategy and each one of these maybe 10 blog posts can independently stand and be published as independent blog posts. But then at the end of like your 10 or 15 weeks, you can then stitch these together into an ebook, right? And then that ebook can be used as a call to action on your website to collect more um, email mark emails or whatever you want to do in terms of other app and activities. But it can also be turned into a Kindle, which then could be um, launched up onto Amazon to leverage that platform, right? And you can create your own author page. And the author page, you can actually start to feed some of your RSS feeds from your websites. And then you can start to leverage some link building and some traffic off your author page on Amazon, which again will kind of help elevate your your own personal authority because now you're a published author, right? Then we take the next step of, okay, I'm a published author on Kindle. How can I use that? You know, that's almost kind of more of a, almost you got a launchable piece of content with higher production value that you can then do a press release on, maybe leverage that to get on podcasts or other types of um, press related activities. So you've basically taken this blogging strategy, right? But because you've kind of thought about it holistically and you've done some research on it and you know, kind of made a strategy behind it, you're able to actually repurpose it in a way that you wouldn't be able to do if you just did 10 random blog posts, right, that were relevant to your blog. So it's that kind of, I think, thinking that I think can really help people do get a lot more return, a lot more benefit and think of things like the way it would help your website and, and, and help you with Google and get more out of the, the, the activities and the um, types of things that you're trying to do to get, you know, to get out there and, and generate tr more traffic and leads basically. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really cool strategy and that seems a whole lot more palatable to clients uh, who are going to write a, you know, a, a series of 10 blog posts, but then, Hey, you can turn it into a book and then you can do this with it and do this with it. So it seems like the, the content is going further and not only that, and this is what we tell our clients all the time is don't blog for Google, like blog for your audience. Cause Google is becoming smart enough to know all these things. Of course, do a little bit of keyword research and all of that up ahead. But in general, when you're writing write for your audience, and like good things will come of it. And it sounds like that's kind of what you preach too is is don't just blog because you have a homework assignment, but literally put some marketing thought behind it. Yeah. So some people just think more is better, but I, yeah, I would never blog for SEO or for Google, but I also think you would never want to blog without kind of having SEO and Google in the back of your mind Yeah. because there's, right. I mean, so it's kind of like one of these things where don't forget about it, kind of think of the extra benefits. And, and think of it like I think Google thinks about stuff. I mean, they're trying to look at things from so many different angles that if you put that kind of thought and that kind of intent in the content that you write, you can actually get multiple wins out of it rather than just these one dimensional launches that people do um, randomly and don't get the full benefit of their activities. So, yeah, that's awesome. So will you write the blog posts and such for your clients and do all the posting and make it into a Kindle and do all of that? Have you do you cover all of that in your well, agency? Yeah, I mean, that's, yes, to some extent we do now. It's, you know, obviously, I think for a lot of different companies, whether you're in web design or digital marketing, 
I think one pain point for all of us tends to be extracting good client, good content out of our clients. On the other yes. hand, they're the source, right? I mean, we're not, it's hard to get third parties to write with the kind of authority and experience that some of our clients have with, with respect to their own business. But, um, you know, these guys are usually, they're out on the field playing ball all the time. It's hard to stop them, put a pen in their hand and have them write about, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. So what, what's your, what's your answer for a small business owner who says, sigh, Phil, I don't have time to write 10 blog posts for you. Like what, it, what, what do you say to them? So for us, like in our, for most of our, like we're dealing more with maybe small, local, larger, small businesses, in some cases, regional and, and maybe national, but um, we do try and work with our clients like to try and figure out, okay, let's put a strategy together. Let's, let's brainstorm, especially when you get in terms of like thinking about like a content calendar or a table of content, it's, it's, it gets to be a little bit easier to sit down with people and then figure out, okay, let's brainstorm. If we're going to write a book about how to hire a lawyer, how to hire an injury lawyer, whatever have you, what you, they, you can sit down with somebody for half hour and brainstorm what logically mm -hmm. would work out, you know, in terms of a table of contents that would you know, look like individual blog titles. Um, and then if you can, if you're lucky, of course, you can get them to kind of give you some pointers. Um, we're doing one right now for a, um, basically a lance, a high end landscaper. Um, and this, uh, owner, she's, much more into it. She's actually giving us like points of, uh, I wouldn't say the complete rough draft, but definitely bullet points on things to cover. And then we come back with our writing team, try and draft them out. And then, and then we get editing help from the owner and then we publish them that way. So um, that's kind of how we go about it is trying to, you know, come up with, cause you kind of have to keep the ball rolling with some of this stuff. Right. And in some cases it is coming up with, you know, a batch of 10 blog post titles and saying, Hey, how do you think this is kind of what we think? And then getting their feedback. But in a lot of cases, we are drafting up, our writers are, are kind of drafting up the initial posts for our clients and then just getting the ball you know, rolling that way. And then we rely on them to do some of their editing and feedback. Because at the end of the day, most of them that care about this know that their name's on it. So they will take some time to, to, um, to read it and edit it. Um, but it's a lot easier to give somebody a fully fleshed out, you know, 500 word blog post for them to edit than it is to ask them to come up with one from scratch. Cause mm -hmm. they'll, you know, they'll be like hemming and hawing over it for a day or a half a day and then you'll never get one blog post out of them. So that's kind of the way that we've, we've handled it. Cause you know, you've got that in our strategy for, for local SEO. I mean, this is having a consistent blog strategy going out once a week is kind of like the fuel for everything. It adds pages to the content, enables us to attack long tail keywords or get geographic specific into like maybe neighborhoods or regions. But it's also one of those things that we use to feed out into social media channels, right? So we try and tell our clients, hey, you want to really kill it on Google? You have to make your website the referral source for everything. Don't mm -hmm. go post your best content on Facebook where it dies and you got one shot. Post it up mm -hmm. on your website, right? And share the link out to multiple places and make them come back so you can pixel and tag them. So we're constantly trying to drill that into our clients' heads. So when you do that, and you get them to buy into, okay, a, um, a website that's a referral source for all your best content, you have to be able to help them, you know, fuel that beast. Otherwise, they just kind of, if you leave it up to them, they'll, they'll, it will never happen, right? So, so in our case, yeah, we are kind of trying to help them fulfill that, some of the writing stuff, because if we leave it up to our clients, like out of 100 clients, I don't even think we'd have one that would be able to blog you know, weekly type of a thing. And I'm probably not alone there. You gave us a really awesome content strategy. I, I love that. And I love how you've laid that out. That sounds like very palatable for most small businesses. What is, when I say the word backlinks to you, 
Tell me, tell me about that. So, okay, so a backlink, right, is any third-party backlink that points back to your website. Most folks are kind of have an idea of what that is, or, or can think about what you know hyperlink. I guess some people might call it, but still, you know, back in the day, people used backlinks. Those third-party websites that are out there pointing back to your websites as was really one of the key. Wouldn't call it a silver bullet, but probably the closest thing we ever had to a silver bullet was getting as many backlinks as possible pointing back to your website. Well, backlinks today are still really, really super important. They're probably one of the more heavily weighted um, Google ranking factors of which there are, you know, a couple hundred at least. Um, But the thing is today, in order to have them work in a way that's beneficial for you, they have to be come from authority websites that are, you know, relevant and related to your niche to really have um, the kind of benefit like they used to. If you've got a bunch of random websites out there that aren't related to your business that are pointing back to your website, those can actually hurt you because it looks like you're trying to game them. And there's a different ways you can handle those via outreach to tell people to drop those links, or there's ways to go into Google search console and ask Google to say, Hey, don't count these. Let's, let's disavow them as the term that they use to do it. Um, but recently they've actually come out, I think with improved algorithms that are a little bit less punitive that way, because people do tend to pick up you know, barnacle links from random websites that aren't really nefarious, but they just tend to, you know, link and you not, not necessarily want them linking to your site and they didn't do it for any um, bad reason, but it might not be helping you. So we as marketers and, and small business owners, we still have to think about creative ways where we can get our content placed on third party websites in a way that um, establishes us as an authority and helps educate people. And then try and earn backlinks back to our own website. And then mm-hmm. Google does count those and they're extremely helpful um, if they're placed on the right websites and a very important piece of, of um, SEO today. So, you know, backlink strategies, I think, is is the, a fundamental piece of, of um, SEO and marketing today. But it just has to be done in a careful way. And I think the golden rule that I tell people, it's one of the things I think we've outlined in the book is, you know, if your links on a on somebody else's website, you really want to be proud that you have the link on that website and then how you got it there. So that's really the golden rule is like, are you, if if my, if my, if my website is on somebody else's, what my website links on somebody else's website, linking back to my site, am I proud to be on that website is a question you ask yourself. And then you ask yourself, how did I get it there? If you paid to be there and you didn't earn it, then there's some risk to that. Google could potentially penalize you for paying for backlinks. That's a prohibited activity. Um, but if you earned it because you provided some information or you you know, were interviewed or you did a guest blog post in a way that was educational, um, those can be extremely helpful and they should be part of any, I think, proactive digital marketing strategy. I love it. And you knew that was a trick question, right? Because we know they're very important, but it's almost, I don't know if you've experienced this, but as an SEO or it's almost kind of like a bad word. Like you shouldn't ever like even want to go after backlinks because they should just all naturally appear. Right. Exactly. But I still think it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to try and be interviewed on a podcast or offer somebody a great educational blog post, the intent should be out there to leverage the other person's audience and bring you their a game so that you're actually trying to reach a new audience, not trying to scam that um, platform for a backlink. If you're doing Mm -hmm. it only for backlinks, you're probably doing it the wrong way and it's probably not going to help you in the way you think it will. Yeah. Um, and you'll eventually probably get punished for it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so what, what are your, do you have any backlinking tips you can give the audience besides yeah. uh, begging I mean, and pleading to guest post on relevant blogs? Yeah. And that's getting a little bit tired, tired. Cause I think people are just getting bombarded by, um, by guest post 
request. Yeah, I guess yeah. post it on your website and you kind of see it scamming. A lot of those are starting to become like seem like they're inquiries from offshore and that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, I still think that can be, you know, very helpful again if you do it for the right reason. But look, to me, guest blog posting is just an extension. And I think John Janch actually said this first, so I'm stealing it from him. It's really more almost like a um, the digital version of you know offline networking. If you've got somebody where you've built a relationship with them and you know that you can bring value to their audience, I mean, then you're basically doing outreach to people that you know, a relationship that you've earned, and then trying to leverage it for that kind of thing. So I think guest posting can still work, especially if you can if you can find a way to get become a regular contributor on an authority website in your niche where you're you're consistently able to in a position anyway to you know provide content educational content to those folks that can really be helpful not only for backlinking but also you know just to leverage that those audience so it, again, it's one of those things where you got you can't you know backlinking is just one of those things where it can't be ignored because it's just too important and the folks that find creative ways to get out there and earn backlinks from the right places and competitive niches are going to beat you if you're ignoring it type of a thing mm-hmm. um, but how do you get them well if you're a local business um you know lots of different creative ways you can do it one is you know, places like um, Bright Local and especially Yext, where you can get out there and get citations up through the high um, higher authority um, directories still help. I, I really do like Yext. And so I didn't really used to like Yext, but I do like them now because, you know, obviously there's you go in there and plug your information and in, you can instantly through their API get access to a number of the most, you know, the highest, most important business directories out there. But they've also got a pretty cool little funk feature in there where you can add a an offer page link in there. Mm-hmm. And that one tends to be what from what I've seen, at least half of them tend to be regular standard links and not links that have the no follow tag. So you can actually get one that passes juice in there that you've essentially earned by using the Yet the X platform, even though you're kind of paying for it. Um, but we have seen people that use Yex these days where I think it does, it does, it can help boost their local visibility and, and maybe even help leverage them up into the, the maps for local results and that kind of stuff. Guest blog posting, strategic guest blog posting can work quite a bit. Sometimes just actually leveraging any of the businesses or associations or chambers that you belong to. Like I know here locally, I belong to like four chambers and I literally just did outreach to them and said, hey, I'm paying you X number hundred dollars a year to join the chamber and stuff. And I don't want to go to the networking events, but I think I should be able to post a press release up there or give you a blog post. Great ways to get, you know, high quality um, backlinks by providing them with educational content, right? Because you can actually reach all the chamber members. Because again, you kind of guest blog post, you get it up there, they distribute it, they put it in their email, sometimes they put it in their flyer, they share it on their social media. On the Love post, it. you're getting some author bio um, link backs, so you're getting a very highly valuable. Um, backlink that's related to your niche and your in your geographic area and that kind of stuff can work out quite a bit. So leveraging any type of business association or chamber type of thing and just getting out there and anyone you really pay money to. Um, I've done this for just about every single business that I use for my own company. I like, you know, I go to, I use UpCity. I'm saying, UpCity, hey man, I'm one of your larger customers here in the region. I should be able to guess blog posts on your on your website that's got high authority and SEO. And sure enough, they let me do it. So any, any of those types of things, you know, you can do some specific outreach because you've got a relationship. And that kind of stuff, when you start talking about backlink building, especially the ones that are powerful, and again, come from authority websites that are, that are relevant, um, to the niche that you're in, you don't need that money to help that many to move the right. needle. Right. You don't need that many. So 50, 100 backlinks over the course of a year or two can really help skyrocket your rankings if you're doing all these other things, you know, um, we're talking about, you know, content and, and reputation management, all that kind of stuff. They can really help. 
I love it. Okay, so here's one question. This is what this is my final question to you, Phil. Um, and I haven't addressed it on the show personally, nor have I asked an expert on it, but I get asked this a lot, so this is perfect, which is how much does like posting on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram with links back to your website or your blog post actually affect SEO? Well, I mean, the official answer from folks that have actually spent some money on researching it, right, say yeah. that social the signals... Um, there is no direct correlation to having these social signals and these links point back to your website. In my own opinion, and it's something that we actually address in the book, our book SEO for Growth, is I think getting your content spread across multiple um, platforms in a way where lots of people see it and see your content is indirectly going, if you have good content on your website, has to help you for SEO because if you've got something that's linkable, more people are going to see it, right? Yeah. So that's an indirect correlation. So, so some people, and I've talked to a couple like renowned experts on this, where they kind of got a little bit of a debate. And I was like saying, how can you say that SC, that social signals aren't going to help when that's really the only way you can get out to people that will that will notice your content and be inclined to link to it if it's good? It has to help SEO that way. Now, a lot of us on the other side of the coin that don't have the maybe the bankroll to go out and say, okay, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go out and fund my own study and, and prove to you that so that actual social social signals do have a direct correlation. I believe anecdotally that when we set up websites here, at least for our clients, and then I use a plugin called Snap Auto Poster. I don't know if you've used that one or not. Uh huh. Yep. So I love it because we can literally plug in right to ten different um, social platforms, and as soon as we press publish on a blog post, it automatically begins to schedule distribute. Um, the blog posts on all these social media platforms. So doing all this stuff for our clients with just basically, you know, one click of the button. I know that when we do this and we publish and distribute good content through the website, that the clients that do this on a regular basis get better search engine results than those that don't. And I attribute this directly to social signals. I totally agree. I couldn't have I couldn't have said it better. Is Google like the, everyone's official stance is no, it does not affect it. But I deep down think it. You know it. You know it in your heart, right? That's how I yeah. feel. I was like, okay, like, I, I have know, to say, I, I have like to kiss the ring and say it doesn't do it. But really, <laughs> honestly, it does. There's it does. no question. <laughs> it does. And like Google is hiding this from us without officially announcing it, but it totally does. And you heard it here with Phil and I today. Okay. Totally agreed. I'm glad I stand by it. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Okay. Before I let you go, of course, I need to turn the time over to you. Tell us a little bit more about this book. Again, how to find you and anything else you want the audience to know. So we wrote the book kind of along the same lines as I do anything now. If I'm going to put my time and effort into one project, I want to make sure that I've got multiple wins on it. So the interesting thing, if you read the book, is not only is there a lot of great SEO info on it, but we did it in a way where I think we actually like optimized the book. So I went out and we got we got 50 um, people to endorse it that are authorities in the niche. We've named um, an, an, an expert at the end of each chapter, which is 16 chapters, and we cited 200 people, right? So the interesting thing is if you read the book, you're going to see all these little Easter egg things that we did to try and get people to promote it and link to us. Mm-hmm. 
So we got each of the 50 endorsees. They promoted us in social media. We got each one of the, um, the experts to promote us in social media and other places and backlink and enable us to do guest blog posts. And then again, we contacted all 200 plus folks that we referenced in the website. So we kind of used that piece. You know, it, it, the book in and of itself, I think, is an exercise in optimization because we basically applied a lot of um, SEO things that we do into the actual book itself. So that's kind of interesting if you're looking at it through kind of you know, stepping behind your shoulders and reading it a different way. Um, there's a lot of things you can see that we, we did to really draw people back to the website. The other thing that we did, I think people will find interesting is the whole purpose of the book was not only like demonstrate authority and get stuff out there. It was also to use it as a way to create an authority website that would have, get its own ranking potential. And then we used that to build a network of child sites. We built it on WordPress multi-site. We mm -hmm. build a child, a, a network of child sites. So, so we have one called St. Louis.SEO for growth, Atlanta.SEO for growth, Las Vegas.SEO for growth. So we've got marketers in each one of these systems, in each one of these cities, uh, I think 15 of them now, where they come in and you actually do like a search for St. Louis SEO. We rank number one in the maps and organically for that city, Atlanta. Um, we ranked number three after two months. Now we launched that one. Las Vegas, we just launched last week already on the first page. So we use this book as a platform to do all this stuff and promotion and draw a bunch of backlinks. And then we're leveraging the SEO work we did on it to actually start ranking in other cities so we can get these marketers that sign up with us to actually start getting SEO leads in their city. So from that standpoint, it's been like a phenomenally successful. Um, I mean, we had this. It's really cool to have a theory like, hey, you know what? If we do it this way, it'll probably work. And now, like over the last couple of weeks, we see it like actually unfolding and working. And it's like really cool. And again, it's all coming off of like one book project, right? I think the you think about writing a book or doing this kind of stuff anymore. It's really never about writing the book. It's all the other stuff that you mm -hmm. can leverage off of it. And I think we've tried to find a few ways um, to do it. And I think that's probably a cool way that I haven't really seen anybody do it in that particular way. And it's um, it's rolling off and it's really exciting to see it uh, to see it work. Cool. So where can we find out more about the book? SEOforgrowth.com. Awesome. That's great. Um, and where can we find out more about you? I like LinkedIn is kind of my favorite place to kind of be hang out socially. I know it's kind of boring, but I just, I don't, I'm one of these people that doesn't put all their whole life up on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm probably showing my age a little bit. Um, but if you want to check out the little website that I built, kcwebdesigner.com, that's really where it all started. And that's really where I make most of my bank is from, you know, building a bunch of websites and, and servicing clients here. And we've got another one called kcseopro.com where we focus more on SEO. It's really interesting because I used to be able to rank for SEO and web design in Kansas City off one website, but it became so competitive even here in Kansas City where we're like two and a half million people. Um, I actually broke off into two websites, right? So I like have to, to rank well, I have to have one SEO website and one web design site because people are you know looking for those two um, services. And are you number one for both? Yes, I am. You awesome. can check it, check it, prove it, prove me wrong. <laughs> Tell him he's not the best SEOer in Kansas City right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you gotta oh. you gotta be able to prove it if you're gonna write about it. It's like, uh, dude, I just searched for Kansas City SEO, and you're like page ten. <laughs> Good job, Phil. Good <laughs> keep job. Keep your book. Keep your book. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You definitely gave us a lot of really cool information today. Awesome. Thanks, Lindsay. There you have it. That was a really cool interview with Phil. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That was super awesome to chat with you. So make sure you check out his book, 
Make sure you listen again to this podcast episode if you're confused about SEO or you know what, you could send this episode over to your SEO team and make sure that they're doing things the right way because it is the right way. You can't go trick Google and expect to maintain your rankings. You just gotta do things legit and that's through content. Content is king, we've all heard it before. So if you like this podcast, please make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or if you're too lazy to do that or if you don't wanna try to figure out how to do that, you could always go to uh, the One Click Lindsay Facebook page and leave me a review there and say that you like the show. That would be really great. Uh, If you guys have any online marketing questions you want answered, feel free to send me an email. I am happy to address those during our podcast episode. And finally, I suppose we will see you guys next week at the next awesome episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay with TrafficandLeads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. 